0: Except City. I am your host, Joe Ucello. Sir Bob, Mike Orr. My co host, Rob Rojas. My trusted co host Ben the Machine. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode three seventy-four of Low Limit Football on this eleventh of December 2022. I'm your host, Joe Ucello, and tonight the semifinals are set for the twenty twenty two World Cup. Will Lionel Messi win his first world title? Will Luka Modric complete the task left unfinished in twenty eighteen? Will Morocco continue to make history in this tournament? And will France be the first team to repeat as champion. Champion since nineteen sixty-two, and only the third team in history to complete such feat. We're gonna discuss that and much, much more. But first, let me get my co-host in here, Mr. Roberto Rojas. What's going on, my man? I'm doing well, Joe. I'm doing well. Obviously, here we are
1: uh at the time of recording December eleventh, literally two days from the start of the semifinals the first of two semifinals uh the world cup can't believe it we're one week away from around this time figuring out who our new world champion will be because we will of course have uh well actually maybe we will have the same champion but nevertheless we will have a world champion this time next week but obviously we'll get into the semifinals later on but let's discuss these quarterfinals because boy i mean (laughs) talk about all the drama the upsets the, uh, the Cinderella stories, and maybe one team, unfortunately,
0: leaving empty-handed. Um, yeah, I, I can't wait to discuss it. Yeah, let's talk about symmetry, right? Because uh, this time next week, once the World Cup is over, we will either have a three-time world champion or a first-time world champion. Those those, yeah, those are the right. options. All right. Yeah. So let's yeah let's jump into it. Um, we had four great quarterfinal matchups uh, this past week. I'm going to give you the results quickly of the first two that set up our our first semifinal, uh, and then the first matchup that we saw this week: Croatia one-one with Brazil, but beating Brazil on penalty kicks. Neymar with a very very late goal did not get a chance to take a penalty in the uh, shootout, and then uh, Pekovic in the 116th minute to tie this game for Croatia and send it to penalties. Uh, on the flip side the Netherlands 2-2 against Argentina but again penalty kicks this one was a little bit of a messier affair uh Lionel Messi with a goal and an assist and Vout Veghorst comes onto the pitch in the um I believe in the 70th minute with a yellow card in hand already which we'll talk about in a second but then scores two goals including one in the 90 plus 11th minute um but uh Argentina are successful here on penalty kicks let's let's look at uh, Croatia Brazil obviously Massive, massive disappointment for the Brazilian side here we talked about them so talented, one of the big favorites, uh, the money favorite uh, with the bookies to win this entire tournament, uh, you know, losing Neymar for a brief spell in this tournament because of the ankle injury and but but obviously having the depth to overcome such an injury, and then they run into a Croatia side that. Every time we talk about them, we talk about them getting older, and we talk about them not being able to keep up, and here they are, going to penalties again, and 120 minutes of football, and yeah, no problem, let's uh, let's just keep on moving ahead. What are your thoughts of this Croatian side, because they're just they're magnificent at this point. Honestly, they are continuing to
1: surprise me, and I think yourself as well, Joe, mm-hmm. because I think a lot of us really doubted this side, as a side that you know what we saw four years ago really was kind of their shining moan, and, and that it wasn't going to happen again. Here they are now again, like they did four years ago, just expecting them to, you know, lose out to a to a favorite. Okay, yeah, Japan wasn't a favorite in this one, but we expected them to beat them. And then against Brazil, they're they're beating everyone against all the odds that we've had. I mean, Luka Modric is incredibly talented and is continuing to demonstrate his quality as. You know, one of the greatest midfielders ever—not just of his generation, but ever, really—at just 37 years old, Marcelo Brozovic. I feel like he's he's running an Ironman at this point. <laughs> after how many miles has he has he's gotten on his um on on his uh on his charts over the last four years? I would say, uh, obviously, the likes of uh, Likarovic at goal, uh, Graviol and, and Lovren—you know—as the two pairing uh, center backs. And, and again, you know, this is a, a talented Croatia side that I think so many people are continuing to underestimate. But now they are showing they are the real deal. As for Brazil, yes, it was very disappointing to see them get out in this manner, especially after they were literally three minutes away from winning this game uh, and then heading into penalty shootouts. You talk about Neymar not shooting that that penalty, And honestly, I, I'm completely, and I still don't know why Chi-Chi never gave a response as to why he didn't kick. Honestly, if he was going to kick not even first, why didn't he kick third? Because I feel like that's always the most important kicks as well. Uh, I always say the first and the third are always the most important. Yes, the fifth, you could win it technically, but what happens when Croatia score all those penalties? You get that situation, but... No, it really disappointing. The favorites lose again to a European side for the fourth straight, fifth straight World Cup. Sorry, mm-hmm. the fifth straight World Cup that they've lost uh, to a European side at the knockout stage. Um, again in the quarterfinals for the second straight time against the European side. Th- that seems to be always their their kryptonite, Joe. It's like playing Brazilian, uh, European sides who are so technical. They always want to have the ball, and they and that frustrates Brazil. Because when you're playing a side that continuously have the ball and want to control the game in a situation that Brazil don't tend to have technically Mm -hmm. in most games in their history, that's where they cause – that's where it causes issues. And yeah, I mean it was really disappointing to see um, a result like this and and again, you know, four years down the road and – yeah, I mean, we we could talk a little bit more about the game as well, but I want your thoughts on what this means for Neymar, because, again, he's 30 right now. he's He said that today was on his Instagram that he's been blown psychologically. It's a big blow for him um, to lose in that manner. There had been rumors about him possibly playing his last World Cup game. I think he said it even beforehand that he thought that maybe this one was going to be his last one because of the pressure that he's been having since he was a teenager uh, to live up to the expectation of being among the great Brazilian players who've won World Cups and won titles and become successful, he just he just didn't do it. So, I mean, assuming that he doesn't play in four years' time, which he could, you know, he's, he's only thirty years old. He could definitely play in that World Cup in four years' time in the United States, Canada, and Mexico. But really, I I, I feel like for this case for Neymar, he's probably going to go down as as a kneeling man, like like Zico in the in the old days and and many other great Brazilians who've never won a world cup.
0: Yeah. I I mean, at this point you've got to think that, and and I mean, really shouldn't frown upon, you know, a player like Neymar, who's been certainly in terms of this generation, one of, one of the top players in, of this generation. Um, I don't, I, I think he'll be there for the next world cup in 2026. I think right now you're dealing with a situation where the emotions are raw. Uh, you know, it's tough to cope with going in as a favorite again. And, uh, and, and, you know, not getting there, not getting to the finish line. I, again, I, I think this, this is, this is a raw circumstance for him. I think he'll be back. I think he'll be back with the national team. And, and I, and I think the, you know, the, we'll be talking about Brazil in four years as a favorite again. So, um, yeah, I I I don't see him retiring from the national team here at this point. Maybe will his role be reduced? Yeah, I could see that. I, you know, thirty four year old. I mean, we've we've seen a couple of aging superstars in this World Cup kind of had their roles reduced, um, which we're going to talk about in just a little bit. So, yeah, I, I think he'll still be there, um, and and I think that well, you know, in four years' time, we'll still be talking about Brazil as one of the top favorites to win this World Cup. I think that this is just. You know something that you and I have talked about a long time. The ball is round, right? This is why we play the games. And 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 to your point about Croatia being a technical side that wants to possess the ball, this is this is definitely the way to beat Brazil, right? Um, we've even seen a team like Argentina do it, where they want to. are another team that wants to possess the ball, and and frustrates a Brazilian side uh, on their way to the Copa America title. You, you, this is the the blueprint, and and I think once Brazil. Finds a coach, because now Chi-Chi's out, and once they find a coach that's able to get these guys to play without the ball, maybe introduce some type of uh, counter-attacking type of style, you know, is it not? Is it Jogo Bonito? Probably not, but it will be something that I think um the brazilian national team has to evolve into to to be there for the 2026 world cup and i think there is certainly potential because the talent is there let's let's move to the next match netherlands argentina 2-2 again um going into penalty kicks uh in the 73rd minute Lionel messi puts home a penalty to make it 2-0 and then like i had mentioned uh weghorst comes on um with a yellow card in hand there were 17 yellow cards in this match Scores two goals and sends it to uh, to extra time and then ultimately to penalties, where uh, Argentina wins four three. There was a little bit of friction in this one as well. I'm going to call it that between the Argentinian side and uh, and, and the Dutch side. Um, we've seen the the celebrations uh, in this particular match. Uh, you know the photos of the Argentinian side um, kind of rubbing in the faces of. The Dutch uh, rumor has it that it was Denzel Dumfries that was kind of, you know, jawing at the Argentina players as they would go to take their penalties. Um, and then obviously that didn't work for them. But Lionel Messi, again, we've talked about him being a, um, you know, this, this being kind of a year where it, it just seems something magical coming off of that Copa America win, uh, giving him some type of victory, uh, you know, some type of national title and, uh, and I think it's just taking that monkey off his back where he's playing a little more freely. Uh, and, and we're seeing here, here again another goal and an assist in this tournament. He is right there with Kylian Mbappe to, uh, and Olivier Giroud to win the goal-scoring title. Um, possible option of winning the golden ball as the best player at the tournament. Again, let's, uh, you know, I, I think he's on that path. Now, I want to send it over to you because I want to get your thoughts on this matchup, how it went down, um, the shenanigans that happened between the two teams, and what this means for Argentina.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, this, this game really, I think, built built up to its expectation. It really did, because obviously these two sides have history at World Cups. I mentioned that in our preview show, that this game had the potential of going into extra time or even penalties. And, and it did. And, you know, we saw an Argentina's side that, you know, I think took control of the match, really, for the majority of the game. Um, you saw Messi being as influential as he could be, you know, putting in that really nice no-look pass to Molina for the first goal, and then scoring the second. But again, I, I think it all kind of shut off, especially when the Dutch came and then brought in a uh, a big, tall guy like Wauwijkhorst to score twice in, in seven minutes. Well, even more, and you kinda extra time. But I think this was a... A, a game that really got chippy it really did get chippy you know nerves are always high in these type of games joe you know this watching knockout football in, in international tournaments you know this is the case where you know you can't lose this one because if you lose you're out uh and then you if you win you're off to the next round but uh, yeah I, I think we did see that and yeah of course you know you say uh you said 17 yellow cards it was 18 actually ah, Okay, my <laughs> notes at 17. It's, yeah it's, it's it's weird so the uh the players on the on the bench actually got there were two people on the bench that actually no sorry three people that got yellow cards on the bench in this one uh, mm-hmm. Joe while well, we had horse for the Dutch scaloni and there's and their assistant managers was this on well so when you add that up all together with all the other players that's 18 yellow cards that is the most ever uh yellow cards in a in a World cup game but yeah I mean you could talk about Lajose and, and his criticism and, and really just not being able to to control this game and, and whatnot and even the shenanigans afterwards you know you saw that when when uh paredes you know goes into well, over japan like just bodies leandro paredes and then that's when all the the benches all clear up you even saw it afterwards when messi got it at um i heard calling him a, a fool an idiot like what are you looking at and he even exchanged some words with with uh Van Gaal, and even during the whole penalty shootout, if you remember, Joe, I, I don't know if you saw like some videos afterwards, but they were just going at it. You saw Emmy Martinez and the goalkeeper Nobert just like throwing the ball away, um, careless, carefully, yeah, carelessly, you know, trying to get into the heads of the the opponents. Even in the last game, Lautaro actually put his last kick of the game. Lautaro pushed Nobert uh, when he was about to get the ball, uh, just to, to add in a bit more pressure. So yeah, this had everything, you know. <clears throat> Excuse me, but at the end of the day. I think Argentina are deserved winner in there. And I think Emmy Martinez, again, showing up as a as a really influential uh, shot stopper when it comes to penalties. Remember what he did last year against Colombia in the Copa America semifinals when they won. He does it again in this one against the Dutch, saving two straight penalties. And, you know, I'm, I'm curious about this one, Joe. We talk about their best players always scoring the first penalty. We saw that with Argentina doing that. But Virgil van Dijk, him scoring the first one or him trying to score the first one?
0: Yeah, you know I, that that was peculiar. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna just call it that. Uh, the thing is, is that you don't know just because you're the best player doesn't mean you're necessarily the best penalty kick taker. And and so Louis Van Hall, you know, listen, these teams will have practiced this, right? They will have gone through. They'll 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 either play some type of game. I used to do it when I coached my kids, and they would do you know they would do something to determine who the best penalty kick takers are. Because in a match, you're going to get penalties, right? So is is Virgil van Dyke the chosen penalty taker for um, the Dutch? I don't know. I mean, these are not... I think it was, I think it was
1: Memphis Depay, but he got subbed out. But I think Correct. even there, like Cody Gapko, he could have been a good one, but he got well, subbed out.
0: Gapko was out, out too, yeah. Too. Yeah, so I mean, you know, so who is... You go down, you have a pecking order, right? And then so you have to figure out who that, who that one is. And... You know, that number one is probably at that point, Virgil van Dyke going down the list. I mean, if, if Depay and Gapko were still in the match, they might have gone first and second as well. So, or they might have filtered them in. Like they said, you know, that third spot is so important, especially if we've had misses or saves. Um, you know, so, so Virgil van Dyke might be that guy. And, and unfortunately, I don't have access to Louis Van Hal's book. You don't have access to it either. So we can only speculate on that. But, um, you know, just, just, uh, an amazing turn of events especially for Argentina to advance on such a manner I want to ask you one question before we look at the Friday uh, for the Saturday matches because this this question kind of comes up especially in this round and I talked about it with Riley McManus a little bit um, this particular round of the quarterfinals do you feel that this was the worst officiated round in the entire World Cup given the way this Argentina Netherlands match went down and also the the England-France match, which we'll uh, we'll talk about in a minute. Do you think that this was the worst set of officiating we've seen at this World Cup?
1: At this World Cup, yes. Mm. I mean, uh, we've, we've seen a lot of bad officiating in the World Cups in the previous, even one that went bad against you, Joe, if you remember. Yes. Uh, so, yes, uh, in this particular round, at least, I mean, yeah, 100%. And, and you know, it, it kind of is a shame because we, we kind of thought that the officiating had actually been very good at one point. Mm-hmm. I think... It was, yeah, you had some dodgy calls here and there in the group stage, you know, with like handballs or like fouls or like penalty kicks or whatever. But overall, or even offsides, like, but even overall, I, I thought it was pretty decent. But now you go into these two games um, in the in the round of in the quarterfinals, and yeah, it just completely breaks everything. And yeah. you know, it's a shame, but I think that's when you talk about tension about these players as well i can't even imagine what it is for the referee too you Mm. know sometimes because that can get to you oh you know you don't you don't want to make a mistake in a game like this yeah it's not a world cup final which you know i'd imagine i don't know who who would stand out for you john to think about who i thought was maybe the best referee to to do it but after seeing what uh, Sampaio at brazil and, and this one um Lagos did. I, I don't see any of them officiating a World Cup final no. anytime soon.
0: I, I agree. I don't either. I don't see either of them getting it. We'll talk about um, Sampaio in a minute with the uh, with the England France match. Let's let's jump over to the the Morocco Portugal match. Morocco becoming the first. Um, African team to make it to the semifinals of the world cup, massive one nil upset victory over Portugal. Ronaldo starts on the bench uh, in this one and, uh, and, and has, you know, very little effect on the outcome of it. Once subbed in, um, you know, El Nesri with a goal in the 43rd minute. And, and we've seen Morocco do this. We've seen them play this dynamic football where they are, they're kind of defending with on the front foot, uh, and they haven't been able to be broken down. They haven't conceded a goal, um, you know, an open goal. Uh, the only goal they've that's been scored on them is an own goal so far in the tournament. So defensively, they're they're absolutely sound, and they're going to need that coming into their next opponent. But you know, what are your thoughts on this Morocco side, and where does this stand now for the port? I mean, I think the Portuguese will be there in four years. Let me let me get that out in the open. I think this is the the definite death knell for Cristiano Ronaldo in terms of his. His national team playing career, I think uh, at this point they have sailed on from him, and uh, and I don't think that he'll be back uh, after this. But what are your thoughts on Morocco and and even the, the post mortem on Cristiano Ronaldo?
1: Yeah, I'll start with Morocco. I mean, wow, I mean, incredible. You know, for them to achieve such a thing—the first African team to play to advance to the semifinals of a World Cup, the first Arab country to reach the semifinals as well in an Arab World Cup. I mean. You talk about Africa really being on this team, and they will. They definitely will in their next semifinal. Mm-hmm. But you have the Arab world as well, and then the Qatari, you know, locals. I'm sure they're going to be right there supporting them from the end. But yeah, I mean, this is a side that I think is playing, uh, you know, offense to defense, really, or defense is offense <laughs> because mm-hmm. I think this is a side that, you know, you look at the the cross from the from the goal to from. Um, I think
0: it was um forgot his name. I think was Zee, it Zeech that that crossed that. Again? No, no,
1: no. I think it was uh, I think it was uh, Allah. Yeah, I'll tell you Allah. He the left back. He mm-hmm. crossed the ball to Telnesri, who got the goal. And <laughs> talk about it's with big jumps, uh, in homage of I like, think like Cristiano Ronaldo. Just seeing that. Um, no, I think it's just it's been they've been solid defensively. I think you see that. I mean, yeah, it did get a little bit kind of hectic right around the end where you know Morocco really missed a chance to to really. And the game there. I think around like the 90th, 5th, 96th minute or something like that. Mm-hmm. That and you know tensions got up when um, Chidira got the um, got the red card. But uh, honestly, it's it's been incredible for them. I mean, it, it's it's similar to Croatia, even maybe even a, b- a better story than Croatia because no one expected Morocco. I mean, look at us picking those two teams from that group. Everyone thought that Morocco was going to lose out and get eliminated in the group stage. We thought Croatia were probably going to lose in the in the first in the round of sixteen after finishing second, but now there they are in the semifinals, just one ball on one game away from the World Cup final, and you know it's it's incredible to see this Moroccan side do what they've done and, and be kind of the the little engine that could, and and really putting African football. Um, on the map and and giving it the respect that it deserves as for portugal yeah another disappointing a disappointing performance i think in terms of cristiano ronaldo and kind of his legacy i gotta tell you joe i think that ended right when fernando Santos put him on the bench in Su- yeah. against swiss i think yeah i think just looking at that seeing him what he did in the in the 30 minutes that he did and honestly i think as a as a whole in this tournament i thought he was poor let's be real i thought he was mm. really poor in in, the, in this game i mean he got, I think he scored just one goal in this whole tournament, if I'm not mistaken. That uh, right. that yeah, right. so it's just, it's really a, a poor performance from from him and, and with someone, with other players like Gonzalo Ramos you know, getting a hat-trick, Fernandes over, um, overshadowing him, Rafael Leao as well. Mm. Those are the players you look into now. You know, you talk about this being the end for Cristiano, look at the guys that have scored for Portugal and really been the main players. That's your future right there yeah. with Joao Felix and all the others. Um, it's, it's a shame and you know, this is, I'm, I'm curious to see what happens. And obviously we'll, we'll talk about it when we go back to our main show when the world cup's over, hmm. what's going to happen with Ronaldo? I don't know. Like in general, because yeah. he has no club and if he's done with the national team and he says that he doesn't want to play another world cup,
0: he's a, he's a free man. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you wonder, um, I, I know those rumors are circulating about Saudi Arabia. Um, there may be something to them. We'll have to find out. But, uh, but yeah, you know, when Fernando Santos finally realized that he had better options than Cristiano Ronaldo, he, he went with them, right? So credit to him for doing that, right? Credit to him for recognizing that, um, you know, in that Switzerland matchup, um, you know, moving forward. I, you know, I, I think that we're seeing something that we've realized has been coming all along in terms of Cristiano Ronaldo, right? We we've, we've seen him deteriorate. We've seen him, we've seen him kind of not be able to do the things that Cristiano Ronaldo has done over the past 5, 10, 15 years. The only person that has not seen that is Cristiano Ronaldo, okay? And I think that that friction between Cristiano Ronaldo's ego and Cristiano Ronaldo's soccer ability at this point uh, is really something that, you know, was detrimental to the Portuguese side in general, and you know, Fernando Santos has to manage the ego of Cristiano Ronaldo, but he's got egos there as well. I mean, Bruno Fernandez, um, yeah, I mean, Bruno Fernandez, you know, he's he's got a big ego. I mean, playing at Manchester United, Leao leading AC Milan to the their first title in God knows how long. There's so many egos there that you have to manage, and uh, and I think that you know, ultimately, I think Fernando Santos made the right call and. That's why I also kind of prefaced what I was saying with the fact that, you know, they will be there in 2026. Okay. Oh, no question. Yeah, they should yeah. be, I mean, and, they, and they, they might,
1: have a talented side, regardless of having Ronaldo or not,
0: they might be better. They might be a better side in 2026 because all of these kids are going to get that experience. Right. I mean, we talk about that with teams like the United States, they're, they're going to pick up that experience here over the next four years, and then they're going to come back stronger. So, you know, I'm not going to say that Portugal. I, I tend to make predictions, or you know, de- reasonable predictions, four years in advance. I think I've already made that prediction for Spain, but uh, you know, in the 2026. But Portugal is definitely going to be a team that's going to scare me. Uh, you know, coming to 2026. So we'll, we'll we'll definitely see that again. To Morocco, just magnificent stuff. If, if you are a casual fan, this is the team you want to latch your wagon onto because they they do play an exciting brand of football. They uh, and and they're just creating history with every touch of the ball at this point. So it's just it's fantastic to watch. And they're going to be playing on the weekend next weekend, my friend, whether it be Saturday or Sunday. I'd said this to Riley McManus. This is a team that to me, once they got out of the group, um, played like they were playing with house money. Right. Where they expected their World Cup to be three and out. and, And I think all of us expected their World Cup to be three and out once they got past that. Then they're they're playing freely because it doesn't matter. They were already expect they've already over accomplished what they expected to accomplish at this World Cup, the, and that's a very dangerous team, right? A team that's talented that is playing with house money that is playing carefree. My God, you've got to be careful. Um, and and that's I, that would be my message to this French national team. Let's let's table to the last uh, the last match, which was the main event. France two one over over England. Um, the French defense a little suspect in this one for me. We saw, you know, two penalties awarded to uh, to England. Uh, one Harry Kane easily dispatched into the net, and the other one he put into orbit. And uh, you know, we're 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 wondering now what's the best that this English side is going to give us because they're ultra talented, um, but they're they're just not getting across the finish line. They they didn't uh, they didn't do it against Italy last year in the Euros. Obviously, going out in the quarterfinals here was certainly an underachievement for them in this World Cup. And uh, and for France, you know, we've we've really got to pat them on the back because of all the injuries they've suffered. They're still here and they're going to the semifinals and they're looking to defend their title and, and become the first team since Brazil in 1962 to repeat this title. It's just an amazing, you know, cir- circumstance and set of events here. Um, what were your thoughts this game it was wildly entertaining for me we saw Giroud score but we did see Kylian Mbappe get really shut down by Kyle Walker what were your thoughts on this particular match
1: well I mean certainly everyone talks about Mbappe being shut down that you realize you still have 10 other players to to look out for but no I I think you have to feel for England because I think they played very well and I think they played much better than the the French overall Um, and I think yes there is that level of you know, depending on what side that you are tolerant of the English sides and how they do in major tournaments. I still look at this side and say, I still feel as if though with Garrett Southgate, they're not gonna get far. Mm. And yes, making the Euro final, making the semi final four years ago, and now losing this way to the defending champions, you would say, Oh, it's progress. And I don't I, I disagree. Because yes, I think France were the favorites in this one. I think we, we both picked them to beat them. So, yeah, we're not disappointed in our predictions. But I think overall, just the way they play, you thought they could have done something more. I, I think with this French side, I think with this English side, I think when, when they do get scored on and when they do need to change, you even saw it in the game against the States, Joe, mm-hmm. and even some games against, you know, obviously against Italy as well, where, you know, they can't close games correctly. And, you know, sometimes they might get exposed Sometimes they can get scored on. Um, and they have those spots. And I think that's always been Southgate kind of Achilles heel. Him trying to manage his team in-game. Which is hard for anyone. I, I can understand that. But when you have some of your players like, you know, like a Grealish, a Rashford, a Sterling right on the bench and not demonstrating as much as you can and other players who really haven't stepped up, you know, you have to utilize them as best as you can. And at the end of the day, I mean, look at the French. They, they, they've demonstrated... Even proving a lot of people wrong as well, saying that you know maybe the side wasn't as good as people thought it would be because some of the players that they were missing at the disposal, you know like Benzema, Giroud, Conte, and here you have players like you know Chomeni and and Rabiot filling in those those Conte and Pogba roles and Giroud really filling in the the um, the, the Benzema role. Yeah, it's it's insane to see that, and I think cause you, I think when you're a winner, and that's something that I was talking to a friend about. It's like you know, these players are world champions. They've won so many titles. They know what it's like to play in these big games. The English side's yeah, they've they've done well for their clubs and you know, won Premier Leagues, FA Cups, even some champions leagues as well. But the French side are a completely different animal. They're world champions. A lot of these guys are world champions, so they know what it's like. The shops, world champion mm-hmm. as a club, as a manager, and as a player. So he knows how you can get the best out of these players. I do I do see these this French side though with some with some defects. That, that's the one thing that when we'll talk about the semifinal a bit I think there could be a chance for Morocco to do something because I think that when I look at this friend's side you look at some of the the reckless fouls that you know look at Tio Hernandez getting that fall on mount in the um, for the for the cane penalty um you know and, and just some of the the mishap that you see them thinking you know one big mistake from them and you can get them on the break you can get them on that kind of thing and yeah. i think when we see a, a moroccan side that likes to defend as much and like to sit back and like to frustrate teams that can really hurt france um but, but then again that could also open up space for for other players like Mbappe and bapin and many others um that could pose it to danger so i don't know if i'm convinced by this french side yet i mean i, I don't know what you think but yeah they're, they're great and you know it wouldn't surprise me if they go and win the World Cup again after the performances that they've had, but I do see some faults in them.
0: Yeah, I, you know I agree. You know this was the first match I think for me where we saw the French side missing the defensive capabilities of Lucas Hernandez and, and Benjamin Pavard. I think this is where we finally saw that chink in the armor. Um, and and England did a great job to expose it. Uh, obviously, not enough. Uh, like you said, you know Gareth Southgate sides closing out matches and closing out tournaments. Uh, you know is is one of the big questions that will always linger over his head. But uh, but that was the first kind of thing we saw. Uh, I, I do agree with you. I think Morocco and, we'll, and again we'll we'll make some predictions here in a second. But I do agree with you that uh, that, that the key to killing Mbappe is, is what Kyle Walker did was match speed for speed. That's one of the things because Kylian Mbappe is so capable of blowing by you. And now we're going to run up into a winger in Ashraf Hakimi in this particular matchup, who's an, another guy that is just loaded with speed. So um, also a guy that's probably going to be very familiar with um, Killing Mbappe in terms of practicing against him day in and day out at PSG. So the, this is another dangerous uh, side. Forget about the colonization and, and all the history that goes with it. Um this is going to be another dangerous side tactically for the French because we've seen them exposed in the backline, and uh, and we've seen somewhat of a blueprint to be able to shut down Kylian Mbappe. Now you've got to, like you said, you know, you shut down Mbappe. There are ten other players on the pitch, so you know Antoine Griezmann to assist in this one, Olivier Giroud with the game-winning goal. There, there's there's so many other pieces here, but uh, but I think the the Moroccan side definitely will, shows enough promise. That what French what, what France has given you in this tournament so far can be foiled. Will they be able to do it? I don't know. We're, we're going to find out in a few days' time, but uh, and we'll make some predictions on it in a second. But uh, but that's for me is going to be the big uh, the big question mark. So let's um let's let's table it. Let's go to the semifinals, right? Let's let's talk about predictions now because we've got two great semifinals on Tuesday. We're going to have Argentina and Croatia face off in that first t- semifinal. I believe the match is uh and i'm going to just double check my timing here but i believe it is at uh 1 p.m eastern is what i'm I'm sorry 2 p.m 2 p.m, 2 2 p.m. p.m. eastern sorry about that uh 2 p.m eastern on both of these matches but uh on tuesday we're going to get argentina croatia in this one um the, the it's amazing because we're talking about these two teams that kind of have some type of destiny behind them right roberto i mean we're talking about croatia and Luka modric and and the midfield and, and even though they're aging, they're still playing 120 minutes at a clip and, and and they're still managing to get it all done no matter what. And then we look over on the other side and there's Lionel Messi and a guy that is playing like he's playing in his last World Cup, like he is playing this last World Cup to win it. Um, and the team around him is playing the same way. So, this is a tough one for me to pick. So, I'm going to let you go first because it'll make my oh, life wow. easy. Yeah, right there right, right on the money. <laughs> I mean, and, uh-huh. and listen, yeah. I'd like to preface that with saying that you and I both picked Argentina to win this tournament at the beginning. So, you know, I guess I'll go first because I'm not backing down from that. I've, I've been asked it many times. I'm not backing down from the fact that Argentina, for me, is going to win this World Cup. So, for you, my friend, what are your thoughts? Yeah,
1: I, I think. Honestly, just really looking at this team that is Argentina and, and just looking at how they have performed. Like you said, destiny, really. And just, you know, The fact that we picked these two sides to win uh, the World Cup and now they're just two games away from doing it. They have a familiar foe though in Croatia. Croatia will not be easy. They, they, and they can, and they've already made trouble with Argentina before. And, okay, yes, that Argentina side that played Croatia four years ago where Croatia just wiped the floor against them. That was a completely different Argentina side. This is a way more stable one, a way more a, a better one, that's for sure. A better manager with Scaloni instead of Sampaoli. But this Croatia side know what it takes to play these big games. And, and that's kind of what you know what we're talking about, France, in a bit. But you know, they know what it's like to do that. Honestly, if I were to go pound for pound, this game could go either way. You know, people are saying edging it towards Argentina, having the better quality players. I disagree. I think this can go down to the wire. And, you know, honestly, Croatia – excuse me. Wow, I can't talk. Croatia have played knocked out – I think out of the five games that they've played in the knockout stage in, um, you know, counting 2018, counting their their quarterfinals, the semifinals as well Mm – That this would be their, yeah. They played five knockout games that went to 120 minutes. Why not make it six knockout games to extra time? Because I see this going extra time. I really do. I think it's going to be a really close one going into penalties, maybe as well. Maybe we get some Emmy Martinez. But we've got got two great goalkeepers as well uh, who who have had great tournaments with uh, Emmy Martinez and, um, you know, uh, Lukovic as well. But I think Lukovic has been probably a better goalkeeper in terms of just showing up and having a better more defensive record than than emmy but i i personally i i can't really predict it but if i had to choose gun to my head i'm picking argentina for this one i think just yes. destiny is is just there you know messi like you said is, is kind of like playing what really could be his last game well he gets two games obviously He was gonna get two games regardless win or loss but he wants to be at the sunday game and not the saturday game after this one but so i'm choosing argentina Uh, to win
0: this one in extra time yeah the uh the stat actually i think is the last like you said the last five matches that they've played that were knockout matches in the world cup they've gone to extra time and penalties in all of them and uh the one match that hasn't gone to penalties in extra time is a uh is uh is the the final against france in 2018 and it's not really technically a knockout match um it's just crazy, uh, and and the facts that you're putting up in our chat here, Argentina have never lost a semifinal, and Croatia has never lost a penalty shootout. Is just again unstoppable force and movable object, right? That's that's where we're at with these two teams. So that that match on Tuesday is going to be fantastic to watch. And like you said, going to extra time. I I I can't see how it doesn't go to extra time. It's it, it's just I think it's just written in the stars, and that's just the way Croatia want to play. So. So, uh, who are you going for? I I I said I'm not backing down for my Argentina pick for the winning the World Cup. I'm not backing down. I you know I made that choice uh, over a month ago when we did our final uh, choice, our final preview, and I'm not backing down. So,
1: I, well, we'll talk about the semifinal in a bit and see if that could change your mind just a little bit. But let's let's go into that. Fair first. enough.
0: Morocco France on Wednesday, right? Um, and we kind of touched on it a little bit. Uh, Morocco playing a style right now that for me, is dangerous to uh, to France, okay? Because of the way France was exposed. Defensively, we see what Morocco can do. Um, we've seen it all tournament long. Man, this is a tough one because you would think that Portugal was talented enough to beat Morocco, and they weren't. Um, you would think Belgium was talented enough to beat Morocco, and they weren't. Uh, you know, you could actually end up with a final from two teams coming out of the same group with Croatia and Morocco in this one um but for me this French side is unbelievable um they know what to do attacking wise they're going to figure it out defensively I think and, and I do think ultimately France will win this one I don't think it goes to extra time I think that this is going to be the one of those one nil games I think this is going to be the single goal that Morocco will give up in this tournament and then um the sail off with their heads held very very high uh, as one of the, uh, you know, as the first semifinalist out of Africa to ever make a, a semifinal of a World Cup. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, you know, like I said beforehand, all of Africa and all the Arab world and, and the Qataris are really going for Morocco on this one. But I think, you know, we, we said this against Spain. We said this against Portugal. They're not France. <laughs> that, mm. that, this is being simple. They are not France. They are not a well, defending world champion. I think this is where France demonstrates really their capability. And, you know, again, I, I, I agree. I think it'll be a tough affair. I really I think this Morocco side wanna play for much more. They know that they they can do they've already made history, like you said, in making a lot of house money. Why not make more? Why not make more and then try to exceed the bar even more for all of African football and make it to a final. Uh getting half of Samuel Etto's prediction right. He didn't get the Cameroon prediction <laughs> right, but he would he probably can get the Morocco one. Uh but even then just yeah, I think this French side just you know, even though they have some faults into them, I do think France should have no problems making it to the to the final, where we'll, we'll talk about the final in a bit, Joe, but let's predict third place. Why not? I feel yeah. like that's always a tough one to predict. We say Croatia, Morocco. What says you for this one?
0: Well, you know, and I want to let the listeners know that we're probably not going to have a show between now and the final of the World Cup. Um, we're not sure if we'll have another show before the end of the year because of our normal vacation time this time of year, so... Um, you know, just want to you know, let you know why we're making these predictions, but yeah, Croatia, Morocco. You know, I was, I was just thinking about this particular match. Um, I, I, again, Morocco walking away with house money here, walking away winners, walking away with their heads held high. I, I think Croatia. This is probably their swan song for Luka Modric, um, and I think Croatia, given the way they want to play and the way they want to possess the ball and they want to control the match. I think we'll do that and then some against uh, against Morocco and I think Croatia wins the third place match how about you
1: yeah me too it's the game you never want to play <laughs> it's, the, right. it's, the, 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 it's probably the worst game of the entire World Cup because you 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 make it this far and you end up with just winning a bronze medal which is you know, for some people, it's a, it's a big deal. Look at the Olympics. People want to win bronze medals. Sure. <laughs> That's a big thing. Third best but team in it, the world. Uh, the, yeah, yeah. That happened to, to Belgium a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but I agree. I think Croatia would, would probably be the favorites on this one. It, they fight each other again already in the group stage. I, I, I think I see a similar game. Yeah, honestly, I think it might be a boring game, to be fair. I don't know. I just I Tactical. see it that way. Tactical. Yeah, I think, it, it. honestly, it would be the funniest thing in the world. If this game, like Croatia, played in the the semifinals, the quarterfinals, the round of sixteen, and then the the round of sixteen, quarterfinals, and the semifinals again, this goes the third. This goes to one hundred and twenty minutes, or even penalties, and Croatia just win it there. I again, I would not be surprised, honestly. Mm-hmm. But I I figured I think Croatia would win this one in a unfortunately a dull affair. Really? Yeah.
0: So let's look at the at the final right, the heavyweight showdown, yeah. Argentina. Yeah. Uh, and, and France, uh, you know, you've got Kylian Mbappe, Lionel Messi. It's the battle of the M's, right? Uh, battle of teammates, as well, because they're both the battle
1: of people. the last world champions against the last. Uh, the it really could be the final game of Lionel Messi, yeah. the first final between these two guys, and for the whoever wins this one will have their third star on their crest. That's right.
0: That's right. Like we said earlier, it's going to either going to be a third star or a first star. Again, like I like I said. Um, You know, I I would love to back down, right? Giving the uh, giving the fact that France have been here before, France knows what it takes to win this match, Uh, and not not France the nation. I mean France these players, right? Kylian Mbappe, Olivier Giroud, Antoine Griezmann, Hugo Lloris. uh, The the list goes on and on and on. Uh, These players know how to win this particular match. They have done it before. Having said that, Lionel Messi knows how to win a final. He's learned he learned last year how to how to win a final and that's a dangerous thing to me so i again i picked argentina i know you asked me maybe i would change my mind like i always say you know you dance with the girl you brought to the dance i i brought argentina to the dance and i'm going to dance with argentina so i'm taking argentina to add the third star in this one what say you my friend
1: well well before you get to that let's let's not get ahead of ourselves mm-hmm. give me a score and give me how it ends
0: oof now this is regular time I don't think this match okay. goes to extra time. Uh, I think this match, I'm going to go 2-1 Argentina.
1: Does Messi score? Yes, of course. Cool. So, fun fact. Argentina, if they were to make this final, if assuming they win the semifinal, because the semifinal that they'll be playing in, will be in the same stadium that they played the game against the Dutch, the game against Mexico, and the game against Saudi Arabia. So they could be playing their fifth game in the same stadium. The five out of seven games which I think is incredible. I don't, I don't recall a team playing those it's many also, games. The it's same also stadium. a benefit.
0: It's also a major advantage for our team. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it. they
1: lost the game against Saudi Arabia, but they won all the rest ones uh, at that same stadium. But yeah, I mean, it really is tough. I mean, you know, finals, they don't tend to be high screaming. I yeah. We saw that four years ago, but historically, you know, when it's these two teams that are two heavyweights, like literally two heavyweights, I think France were just a bit better in terms of heavyweights over Croatia. This one's a bit more closer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I said, like you said as well, it really is destiny. It really is. It feels that way. It seems like this kind of path. The fact that they lost the first game, and everyone was thinking this could be the end for Argentina as a whole, and then they go out and win and win and win and win, and, win, and maybe win again against Croatia. Why can't you back them again to win again uh, in the final? You know, I. I can't see it against it. I, I really think that this Argentina side knows what it's like to play finals. Scaloni, you know, has already done it. He knows what it takes to play these type of games. and the French, you know they you got a lot of these guys who have I've been world champions literally four years ago. So for them, it's also familiar territory. but, yeah, I, I think I have to I think I have to agree and say that, yeah, the girl that I'm taking with the dance is the one that I'm gonna keep for the entire night. And just like we predicted literally a month ago, I say Argentina will win their third star and Lionel Messi will swan, will go out in the sunset with a World Cup and really the the only trophy that he needs to to complete a a remarkable career and for some the greatest of all time with or without the World Cup. I think if he does win this you know I think from a from a critic standpoint, you know, that's going to be diminished very very big and yeah, just it would be a magical way i i honestly i mean yeah it's it's probably not going to reach the heights of an 86 with maradona and and the influence but man i mean probably i I don't know if it's gonna be the most significant world cup win out of them but i mean it's tough to say It, it almost feels that way 78 they won at home under a dictatorship which had so much pressure on them 86 you know the whole tension with maradona against against england and against germany and then this one from losing the first game the messi's final world cup and then the whole drama that comes to it mm-hmm. beating potentially two teams that they've lost to in the last world cup i think it just adds to the storyline but yeah. man this would be probably no not probably this would be probably this is this
0: would be messi's most significant win in his career yeah of course, absolutely. Let me ask you one more question, real quick. Just a, a quick answer. Lionel Messi wins the World Cup, right? Let's even say they give him the Golden Ball, because I think at that point, if they, if they if Argentina wins this, there's no way they're not giving it to him. Okay, could
1: win the Golden Boot too. To be fair, which sure. I, I think he'll score as well. By the way, I say I say one 0 in this one-nil. one okay. tight affair. One 0
0: After this, if if Argentina do win, is Lionel Messi the greatest player ever? For me, he is already. He's already there. See, for, for me, me he's for not. Me, for me he is. For, for me he's not cuz he doesn't have this title. Um and he's had the opportunity to win this title in 2014. Um but yeah, for me if, if this if he does win this title, that the argument is settled that he is the greatest player we've ever Maybe seen.
1: against Ronaldo, but you're still going to have the old guys saying Maradona <clears throat> and then Pele, so yeah. it's I, not I'll, all certain. I'm
0: one of the old guys.
1: You know, I, I'm not no, but there's but, other guys that are older too. They've seen Pele, they see and, and yeah. listen. Some of them would say Messi's better than them too. I mean, yeah. everyone's when I look at consistency and doing it at the highest level for 20 years. Pele played at Santos all his all his life, and he won three World Cups. It was a different time, you know. The, the it's not what it was like in Europe. Maradona broke that going into Europe and and doing what he did and. Yeah, his career goes all over the place as well, um, and he. But he still reached that World Cup because that's how players are judged by it. it mm-hmm. It's unfortunately what Cristiano Ronaldo will probably be, be judged at. Which, honestly, Joe, mm-hmm. even if Messi doesn't even win this one, I still think the argument is done. Even with Ronaldo, like yeah, Ronaldo's yeah. won the. We can go on about this whole debate, but I think the debate ended really. We saw that even this season, yeah. you know, with, with his performances at Manchester United. Now there's all these rumors. I think. Yeah, I, I think obviously if Argentina were to win this World Cup, there'd be no dispute about the debate. But for me, I think it's over. But yeah, I just I just think that winning this World Cup would cement his stuff as the greatest for way more people than what people would have thought maybe a month ago or something.
0: Sure. Uh, before we close out, I I want to bring up some you know some some news, uh, really terrible news that I want to talk about, um, and that's the fact that. Uh, you know, as a soccer journalist, we've lost two journalists this week at this World Cup. Uh, the first, um, well, the first one I want to mention is Khalid Al-Mislam, a Qatari photojournalist who died yesterday at age 43. Um, you know, obviously working this World Cup, the the, the the word is he was working three matches a day. Uh, a lot of stress and we're seeing a lot of the, the stress on the journalists covering this tournament, especially given that it's, it's it's a small state so that or a small country so that they're moving from match to match to match. The big one that affected you and I um, quite uh, significantly is the loss of Grant Wall uh, this week, 48 years old, uh, collapsing at the Argentina match um, against the Netherlands um, and, uh, and and passing away it. it, it it really hit you and I, I think back, you know, we did our, our U.S. preview with Grant and uh, and, you know, off the air, I was very, very excited to possibly get the chance to meet Grant Wall in person. We talked about possibly after this World Cup, getting a chance to, to get together and meet um, as as he was frequently in New York City. And uh, and, and and he is is, is truly the the person. The top in U.S. soccer journalists, uh, you know, covering the sport and advancing the sport here in this country. And I know he had his critics and everything like that. We all everybody does. But um, but the work that he did um, is is nothing short of incredible. Um, He is truly, truly missed. Uh, You can see the tributes pouring out even to this day um, about him. And uh, just a just a sad, sad loss to lose journalists um, covering this World Cup. Uh, you shouldn't die on your job, ever. And uh, and 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 to have that happen um, to these two two gentlemen um, is just just sad. I wanted to get your 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 chance because as you know, I, for me Grant Wall is an acquaintance. He's somebody I interviewed twice, um, and and grateful to have those opportunities to interview him. But you probably knew him a little bit closer than me. Um, so I'd love to get your two seconds on, on Grant.
1: Yeah. I mean, obviously between you and I, I'd say that I did know him better. I mean, not in comparison to maybe some other people that have worked with him closely. I'm I'm thinking of the likes of maybe an Aaron West or a Luis Miguel, she, or, or many of the, the big soccer journalists that we've seen in, in various years. Um, they've, They've kind of really said the same thing that everyone would say about Grant Wall you know I've had the fortune to meet him a few times we spoke to him I wished him a happy birthday actually literally a few days before um you know he would always be so kind and I think one of the things that he he personified that yeah, he had his critics and then who is who doesn't we're, we're not we're human after all we're not we're not all saints but um, I think just looking at the the tributes. Being made, and also a shout out to to his um to his widow Celine. Go there. Um, I think obviously you know it, it's it's really hard to to know that someone that you love so truly is is dead, and the fact that you you see them dying in their work, and the fact that you won't see them ever again mm. is tough. But I think one thing, if there is a silver lining, I think for Celine is if she is listening, of course that people love them, people love Grant Wall, you and I included. Mm-hmm. He, he always he always cared about you know just journalism as a whole. He cared about the sport. He wanted the sport to be successful, and he wanted to see really a a successful sport be what it is at this world at this world. And you know, I think you know it, what everyone has been saying. You know, the fact that he was just so kind, he was so willing even to us. You know, the fact that he came to interview us a few times, even maybe more, giving us more chances. More than he should have, to be fair, because of the big name that he is. Really, I, I think he is the quintessential soccer journalist of the United States. The best one for me, I would say. Mm-hmm. And for him to just to go out and, and die over there, and, and 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 just see that happen is is a big blow. It really is, and especially how for him, you know, you talk about. We always talk about how important soccer has kind of risen in the in the world in the world um, in this country as well um, because of world cups and the united states doing well the women's teams the players playing abroad you know fifa grant Wall's in there too he mm-hmm. is definitely in that because he spoke about it he he gave space to it on you know being on sports illustrated or on tv or whatever and he did that you know and he he was someone that i think he he kept to his his roots he kept to his values he always spoke about the, the issues of of corruption in FIFA. Um, he always spoke about LGBT rights and, and the Qatari migrant workers. You know that's what he's been doing for the last few years with this World Cup. You know he he advocated towards women's soccer and, and and really giving it a platform that it needed on the mainstream. And so no, this this is it's just a big shock. And you know I think it's it's gonna it's, it's gonna sting for a while. It really mm-hmm. is. I mean yeah, obviously I work in this industry um you two as well joe i mean obviously we, we do podcasts but we we know each other mm. we know people in this circle and it's a small one and so when something like this happens and, and to say it doesn't affect you is you're lying really if yes. it doesn't because i think anyone really that is is part of this part of this in, uh, industry or, or just like soccer as a whole in this country they know grant wall you know it's 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 that important and yeah, uh, thoughts and prayers obviously to to Celine, to his entire family, to all of his close friends and that we um will we'll, he will be deeply missed by so many people around the world.
0: Mm. So yes, I would like to echo the sentiment, thoughts and prayers uh from both of us to Khalid Al-Mislam's family and to Grant Walls' family um and friends to both of them. Um they certainly will both be missed. So Um, not to close this match, uh, close this podcast on a downer, um, or close our year on a downer really, because it's, we're pretty much closing our year at this point. Um, but I have nothing left on the list to talk about. So let's, uh, let's hit the closing music. Let's do it. All right, here we go. Um, and as this music comes up, I think what we will end up be uh, doing is uh, reposting the Grant Wall interview uh, in tribute to him uh, while we're away on vacation. So for episode 374 of Low Limit F- Football, I would like to thank my co-host, Mr. Roberto Rojas, for giving me another great year of podcasting, another great tournament uh, in the World Cup. Um, and I uh, wish you a happy and healthy and safe vacation, my friend. And uh, we will see you in the new year
1: absolutely joe merry christmas and happy new year to you as well to all the listeners thank you again for supporting us throughout this this year i know it's been kind of difficult with so many things happening in the world but i'm thankful enough that we get to do this almost every week to talk about the sport that we enjoy and let's hope to do it much much more in 2023
0: absolutely so to all our listeners thank you for listening happy new year merry christmas thanks for listening i am joe usello I'm Roberto Rojas. Thanks for listening, and good night.